everybody, it's time to LOL. Listen out loud, that is. It's time for Anime Jam Session with DJ Ranma S, Mako-chan, and Ari Rockefeller. Hey everyone, welcome to Anime Jam Session, episode number 339. We are that podcast that talks about anime, games, conventions, the fandom, geek stuff, and everything in between. I'm DJ Ron Mess. I'm Ari Rockefeller. And I am Mako-chan. And Jesus fucking Christ, where did the year go? Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, really, where did the year go? I mean, I could have sworn it was just the friggin' summertime, you know? Yeah, I'm already missing the summer. I think a lot of us are missing the summer. Yep. Indeed. But um, we are live tonight, week of December 5th, 2017, here on the Vogue Network. We're here live Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, but replays Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Check out our interactive chat room at live.vognetwork.com. Chat clients such as Merck, XChat, Chatzilla can use irc.gamesurge.net to connect to the server, and our chat room is VOG, V-O-G. Or you can head on over to AnimeJamSession.com slash VOG Network, and there is some information about some of the shows on the VOG Network, and there's the IRC link, so if you have Chatzilla, click on that. It'll bring you directly into the chat room. Plus, we're also on Discord, so follow us at uh, VOGNetwork.com slash Discord, so if you have the chat client, it'll bring you right into our awesome VOG server. If not, you'll be able to hang out and participate with us from the web browser. Uh, we do not have a channel just yet, but soon. I just have to remind the um, the amazing admins if we can get one. So, yeah. And right now, check-ins are live, so go ahead and earn your VOG points. And if you're listening to us on our podcast feed, uh, somewhere in the episode is a passphrase. When you hear that passphrase, head on over to AnimeJamSession.com and put in that phrase and earn your VOG points. Easy, simple. We try to make it as simple as possible for everybody here, you know? Anywho, let's go ahead and kick things off with how was your week? How was your day? Ari. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on, actually. You know, yeah. it's mostly work stuff through uh, all week. Gotcha. <clears throat> I've been. The uh, Cards Against Humanity Saves America stuff has been coming in. I totally missed out on that. Yeah, I, I got the first, you know, the first day of stuff, and I've then decided, you know what, maybe I'll just hold on the the other s- six days and like open it all at once. Maybe, you know, record myself you know, mm-hmm. opening all that shit. And how was it? Did you do that yet, or not yet? Like I said, it's supposed to be seven days of it, and we're only on day two. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, I didn't do a whole lot this weekend either. Hmm, I know that feel. My life's been rather bleh. No, it is the holidays, so we tend to slow down for shit, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how uh, things have been going for me. Sorry it wasn't uh, exciting for everyone. Yeah, don't even worry about it. Mako-chan, how was your week? How was your day? Uh, weekend day, pretty damn boring. Hmm. 
Uh, work, house, clean, relax. That's basically it. Well, okay then. My weekend day was interesting. I just basically just did a little bit more holiday shopping and more packages came in. So now I'm in the process of organizing and sorting stuff by boxes so I know what to wrap and what to mail and so forth. I almost bought some more holiday cards tonight, but I'm going to go through my uh, closets. I know I have some, so I'm going to try to get like the first round of cards out. Um probably Saturday uh I think that's basically has been it I picked up the uh rare replay collection and I felt like a 12 year old kid all over again plus it's kind of surreal playing classic Nintendo games on your Xbox yeah that's always strange yeah but I don't know I, I like it and I, here's my chance to do to play um RC Pro-Am 2 because I don't think I've ever played that one uh, it's just too bad I can't hack the game with Game Genie codes because RC Pro-Am is one of those games that goes on forever. Even after you get the big trophy, it, it's just, they just re-randomize the tracks and you just keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, also, while I was out, um, I picked up one of Mako-chan's Christmas gifts, so she's getting a couple extra things. So. Yay. Yes. And if everybody's wondering... It's a lump of coal, so Merry Christmas. Or it's Merry surprise. Merry Christmas. I don't want to think about what you're going to get me. <laughs> you also got a lump of coal, so hey. Equal opportunity, yes. huh? Hey, you get a lump of coal, and you get a lump of coal, and you get a lump of coal. Everybody gets a lump of coal. What do you get for yourself? Motherfucker, I bought myself an Xbox. <laughs> but um, while I was out... You know, usually while I'm out, if I see cool stuff, I will take pictures of it and post it on my Facebook. And I'll tag people like the Funko Pop Dorbs of the Golden Girls. And then there was the Golden Girls Clue where you got to find out who ate, who took the cheesecake. Um, and then there was a, a mug shaped like, um, not a beaker, but, you know, like a, one of those scientific um, collecting. A graduated cylinder? Yes. And one of our mutual friends. Maddie wanted it, so I ended up buying that for her, and I'm going to drop it in the mail by Saturday, hopefully, because the way things are going with work back and forth, I just don't have time to derail and go to the post office, you know? So I gotta remember to uh, get up early on Saturday morning and uh, hit, up, hit, up, hit the office up. And like I said, hopefully have like the first round of cards ready to go. Uh, replay is that's how much I paid for it. And I also picked up River City Rival Showdown, so I have Nice. But the thing is, I'm still I'm stuck on one on one of the mid bosses in Metroid Samus Returns, so I'm not gonna start this game till I finish that game. And I'm just like, fuck this guy's a real bitch. But um as you can tell by our opening pre-show, it is the holidays, so expect to hear some of your favorite uh, holiday tunes from various animes, your J-pop artists, and other sources. I will try. I've come across a couple of new tracks today, so I'm hoping to throw those into the mix. So you'll be hearing it on our pre-show and on our podcast when we do our breaks. Also, our 
2017 Drunken Christmas Spectacular is December 19th. Uh, we're probably just going to go over maybe a couple of articles from the year. And just talk, drink if possible, reflect back, talk, and have a good time, you know. Make it more like a party. And I will most likely will try to bring back the Skype line so you can uh, call in and ask us random questions. So, like that one year, uh, someone that called in from the UK that broke everybody on the show. <laughs> and also, what coming down the pipe, if you enjoyed it last year, I am working on a 24-hour uh, holiday uh, special. So, it's just 24 hours of pretty chill Christmas music. And this time... I will be a little bit more culling of the tracks so it doesn't feel like I threw everything together. I'm still waiting on the go-ahead for that, so we'll have fun with that. If not a full 24 hours, we'll, we'll, we'll have some tracks in there. We'll, we'll, we'll have fun. We'll have, a, we'll have a good time with that. So we're going to go ahead and take our first break. And when we get back, we're going to get down to the news. And holy shit, the news this week. Fuck. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. We'll be back.
Okay, a couple of things. Number one, this December has been mighty freaking warm. Mm-hmm. I mean, are we going to have a repeat of where it was 66 degrees on Christmas Eve day? I mean, Christmas, yeah, Christmas Eve day. Yes, yes. Uh, it's possible. Although it Who is knows at this point? colder after this. Mm. And, and and number two, I, <coughs> I, I, I I I need I need to talk bring talk about this briefly. Um, you ever ha have a picture up on your Facebook? You're tagged with somebody, and you're having a conversation back and forth, and a third person wants to know how the other person is. Yeah, that's a little weird. Like, what, people just imposing themselves on the conversation? Something like that, but that third person knows you too, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like as if you and Mako were chatting back and forth on Facebook, and I've been kind of, like, not talking to Mako for a while because I've been busy with other stuff. And then I pop in and be like, how's Mako-chan doing? I haven't heard from her in a while. And both of you look at me like, the fuck? Huh. I, I'm just saying, if you know everybody in the picture, instead of asking how they're doing, tag them and be like, how how are you? But now she's like, and that just happened, and she's looking at me like, haha, very funny, I'm asking you. I'm just like, why are you asking me how my best friend from high school is when y'all are friends, even though y'all dated for me, y'all are so friends, why don't you ask him directly? Last I recall, he ain't got her blocked, so I, I, it, it, it's, the, it's the logic, really. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's not like he's not going to see that unless she has him blocked. Exactly. That's weird. Then again, from what I have been told of her that's normal I think I've told you every single story that I know that probably I could have sworn that movie came out last month or something I guess I just wasn't paying attention Let's get a little judicial here, because you because you know how we love to talk about court and stuff here. All right, you ready for this one? What is it? The New England Anime Society, the people behind Anime Boston, has filed a lawsuit against Fantastic Gatherings Incorporated and another group called Image Interactive Meet and Greet Entertainment for suing over a similar name okay let me ask you would you think that anime boston and boston anime fest is one and the same no if i was just coming on to the convention scene possibly yeah that that's what i'm thinking you know and that's what happened 
New England Anime Society is pretty much <clears throat> suing them over the name. Because what it is, their boss, they, the website is called Boston Anime Fest, which takes you to the website, but it, it it's a little bit more than that. And from what I can tell, the site no longer works. <laughs> wow. But pretty much, Boston Anime Fest is supposed to be Boston Comic Con and Anime Festival, some shit like that. I'm just like, that, that, that's one way of kind of getting that shit together one way. So, originally, they sent, New England Anime Society sent a C&D to Fantastic Gathering an Image about a month ago. But Image maintained that the terms were generic and fell under fair use. I don't think anime in Boston and Boston anime falls under fair use. I can understand if it's anime con. That I can understand. That's kind of fall under, under that. Now, according to the lawsuit, they requested the defendants see indeed a use of the anime Boston name or anything confusingly similar and transfer the domain over to them. And they want damages and attorney fees. Images, Gary Somers told the Daily Beast that one of his colleagues contacted AB when they selected the name, but they did not take no action at that time. He further noted to the Boston Business Journal that he considers the lawsuit a frivolous action by a group attempting to bully us to control the use of these two generic words in the marketplace. And he said he probably cannot afford the expensive defense needed for such a malicious action on short notice. AB's president, Chris O'Connell's put out a statement saying that the New England Anime Society is always enthusiastic about other organizations that support and promote the celebration of Japanese pop culture. We hope that Fantastic Gatherings and Image has a very successful event, but we think they should do so using their own trademark and not one that's confusingly similar to our mark and brand. And their convention is happening this weekend. And it's called, alright, the Boston South, like I said, Boston South Coast Comic Con at Collectibles Extravaganza. Okay. Now get this shit. The convention is not even in Boston. What? It's in Hanover, Massachusetts. 90 minutes away from the con. That's like having a New York anime or comic convention up in Westchester County. Or fucking East Rutherford. Exactly. Now, Liberty City, you can get away with that because it's Liberty City. We all know that's a play on New York City, but hey. 90 minutes away, that would be longer than it takes for me to get from my house to your house. Really? Yeah. Mm. Did you just map that out? No, oh, okay. because it it takes me about an hour, um, 45 minutes to get into New York, and then about a half hour from there to get to you. Okay, gotcha. See, and now, th- th- there is more shit going on, okay? And I found this out, and I would like to thank the, um, the talented team over at, I think it's Cosplay Couture or Courier, they're the ones that broke this story. Now, do you remember last year we covered a story about a guy who was running 
a photo booth at various conventions. I was com- I was I was a convicted sex offender. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, him. It seems that these people that are running this convention, the Boston South Coast Comic Conics, whatever, hired this group. Knew that the guy was a registered sex offender. Said nothing. Well, that's fucked up. Very. Adding on really quickly to the whole lawsuit, mm-hmm. um, the whole confusingly similar, that is in quotes, um, or confusingly similar variation, mm-hmm. uh, what that is, because I found this on a different article, mm-hmm. is because uh, Boston Anime Fest is using the colors yep. that Anime Boston is known for. Mm-hmm. It's not just the wording. It's not just, you know, the the words used themselves. It's actually the color and color combination yep. of a orange, yellow, and navy mixture. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's what it's going for for confusingly similar. Because when you put it into that aspect, then, yeah, now people are going to start getting a little bit more confused. And there's more. As from also from another insider source, there's a small local group called the New England Cosplay Connection or something like that, NECC. They have small events, sort of like how you have Senpai Project here in New York City. Um, the people behind them, I think it was Fantastic Gatherings or Image, went after them for similar reasons for logos and colors. I'm like, this is a small non-profit group for people to get together and have fun. Why are you going to ruin that shit? Christ. And if we go into our chat room at live.vognetwork.com, Raging says, let me guess, the photographer's name is Roy Moore. <sighs> okay, I have to give Raging credit for that one. I give him points for that one. The only difference is that this photographer, I don't remember his name, nor do I give a fuck about his name. He's actually able to go into the malls. He was never asked to never come back. I mean, what kind of shit is that? You've been accused of sexual harassment and you're a judge and you're been you're forbidden to go into the malls in your own lo- in your own town and area. The fuck. I would pack, I would resign, pack my shit, and go to some podunk town and be like, I don't want to be ever heard from again, or some shit like that. Well, I am hoping that they kind of get the things together because I, I I I've heard I've heard some things about fantastic gatherings that I am not allowed to say on the air, but. And I'll just leave it at that. Please do not ask me or message me what I know. There are some things even I cannot I cannot discuss. Yeah. Now that we got that out of the way, on a topic of lawsuits, and I know this was a, a hot topic in the community for a good week and a half. Mako, tell us about the cosplay is not consent trademark. Yeah, so it came out 
the other day that uh, cosplay deviants had trademarked the phrase cosplay is not consent. Uh, the trademark went into effect basically last year, November 22nd, 2016. On Tuesday, they surrendered the trademark. A lot of back and forth in the past week and a half because of this. Uh, like, shit tons. Um, with some people saying that the CEO, Troy Dorner, mm -hmm. uh, was messaging conventions who were using the Cosplay is Not Consent trademark and basically asking, one, for free publicity, and two, um, for quote-unquote donations for the cause of cosplay is not consent. Um, then you've got those that are basically saying, no, he's just trying to, you know, keep the trademark alive and get the word out there. He's not trying to make profit off of the actual wording of cosplay is not consent. Uh, basically, it just completely blew up. Uh, the phrase emerged as early as 2011. Uh, due to the sexual harassment directed at cosplayers. Conventions have frequently used the phase uh, in their harassment policies. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, he's saying that since he registered the cosplayisnotconsent.org domain name in 2013, with the intent of growing the conversation, quote-unquote, um, he decided to buy the domain and copyright the phase, the phrase, um, saying that he basically was the one that invented it, which is bullshit because people have pointed out in various areas where the phrase has been posted and used at conventions before the time of him actually, quote unquote, stealing the trademark. Can I interject real quick? Mm -hmm. All right, now, from my understanding, from one of our friend, one of my amazing friends, uh, Scarlet Rhapsody, who was a guest on our show some time back, who runs her own blog and podcast, she knows the person more or less that not really invented the term, but kind of spearheaded it and made it the movement. Her name is Ellie Schweitzer, I believe. She is the one that really got this movement going across the country. And that, and that was around 2013, even maybe a little bit before that. So, Well, as I yeah. said, the phrase started emerging in 2011. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that says that he, you know, coined everything in 2013. Um, but basically, he tucked his tail between his legs, relinquished the trademark, saying that the attention brought to the trademark... And the quote-unquote movement he was trying to start um, ended up turning into a conversation not about the movement, but about the opinions about him, his business, and his motivations. So he decided um, that while he will still continue to participate in the movement, he's going to relinquish the trademark. Which, not for nothing, uh, that's some shitty-ass thinking. Mm -hmm on his part, thinking that he could even attempt to trademark something that he didn't even create. 
It sounds like he, he got caught out on his bullshit and he doesn't know how to react, so he's, you know, tripping over himself trying to, you know, work walk back what he said. Well, he definitely is. I mean, you're talking about uh, the CEO of Cosplay Deviants, who do, you know, they are an adult website. They do adult-friendly uh cosplay pictures and things like that i've heard of cosplay deviants trust me so i'm not surprised that they would be part of the cosplay is not consent you know thing but to basically say that he and his and you know all of that that he's the one that started it that that's bullshit i mean there's just you know it's it's He's saying he's trying not to make money off of it, but you don't trademark something like that unless you are trying to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was me, I'd at least spend actual time trying to find the person behind this and help them to trademark it and just be just financially back it. And just be like... I'll financially back this for you. Just work with us on creating like a like a guide or a, or something like that. You know how to really and like help cons you know promote this and so forth. You know or try to put that in like a public domain, something like that. You know something to pay it forward. That's I would have done personally. But on the same token, I don't think the phrase should have been copyrighted in the first place or trademark. It, it, it should have been just left as is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you trademark something like that so that people can't copy you. Mm-hmm. So to trademark something that you're trying to get out there, that you want people to be aware of, that you want everybody to know about, um, to, to not just have it be a cosplay is not consent organization mm-hmm. to try and tie it on to cosplay deviance. That's, I think where he went wrong. I can see that, but like on the same token, if you talk about whereas, you know, these cosplay deviants and they do a, they, like pretty much soft core stuff. Like cheesecake softcore stuff, and you know there are guys who think they don't, who just harass up and down the wazoo. And if you're like, well, here's an organization that puts this stuff out that's enforcing it, maybe it's a bit of a wake up call. Maybe what they should, maybe what he should have done was contacted other organizations and worked together, like contacted convention, like let's work together to make this like a regular national thing, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying, is right. cosplay is not consent should have remained by itself not attached to cosplay deviance. Mm-hmm. Cosplay deviance is one thing. Cosplay is not consent is a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. Can you combine the two of them? Yes. But they should not be in the same business together in a sense, which is what he did, which is what screwed him over. So, as I said, if they should... It, what should have been happening is that some sort of like nonprofit organization, you know, for cosplay is not consent, you know, could have been created around this whole thing, trademark, 
that, not the wording, but the actual organization, invite people in to help you oversee the organization that are actually in, you know, the whole process of doing things like this, uh, that are, you know, helping it to grow, that are doing, you know, the things at the conventions, and then saying, here, here's a gift. When you're running a site like that, I guess it's all it all boils down to the almighty dollar bill. So. Yeah, which again makes it look like he was using it for money purposes instead of the correct purposes it should have been done for. Mm. The fact that he couldn't come up with a good enough reason on why it was attached to cosplay deviance. And he, you know, gave it up is reason enough that it shouldn't have happened in the first place. There you go. And that it wasn't for money. <sighs> so, anywho. Now, I was just talking about this. I, I think on the podcast... Or with friends that I remember going to a con and picking up the right uh, the Gunsmith Cats OVA because I was a pretty decent fan of the original mangas which I have in storage and I know I bought the, the, the three part OVAs and it was cool and I liked it and I remember somewhere down the line I picked up the DVDs actually the DVDs. I think I let someone borrow it and I never got it back or something. I don't know. I don't remember. Like kept saying I was gonna buy a used copy of it. Used copies of this of Guns with Cats uh, DVD is anywhere like a hundred dollars and up. So I'm like, I will quote unquote acquire it. But Animigo announced a Kickstarter to crowdfund Guns with Cats. After the successful Kickstarters for Bubblegum Crisis and Writing Bean. I'm all about this. I am really hyped and excited about this. I will throw money down for this. That's a given. Now, the three-part OVA shipped in Japan from 95 to 96. ADV put it out on VHS and 96. I picked it up. Like two years, maybe, it, yeah, maybe two or three years later at Animazement. That might have been where I picked up the DVD. I, I don't remember. They put that out in 2001. Dark Horse put the manga out from 96 to 2002, and the sequel comic, Guns with Cat Burst, from 20, 2007 to 2010. Now you can get omnibus re releases of the original manga out now, which they put out in 2007. Now, if you're a fan of Kenichi Sonoda's uh, work, then you'll know that in the Writing Bean manga, there's an alternate version of the character Rally Vincent in there. And also in Guns with Cats, if you read the manga, Writing Bean shows up. Writing Bean is the original uh, driver, pretty much. So, I, I, I'm really excited about this. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't know about that. I forgot. They also funded Otaku no Video. That was pretty good. 
I kind of wish I jumped on that, but it is what it is, so I'm not too, too worried about that. But I am excited about this. I, I'm, I am definitely looking forward to picking this up. A very long time ago, I had a friend who cosplayed Minnie Mae Hopkins. Now, here's the thing. Rally Vincent is the gun. She has a big collection of guns. And she has her favorites. Minnie Mae is the bombs expert. So, at any time within that denim jacket of hers, she has a variety of bombs ready to unleash on you. And I think Mako Chan would be a perfect addition to the Guns with Cats team. Oh? You have a thing for knives. Y you know your knives. Yeah, you yeah, I like sharp, pointy objects. <laughs> you, you, you got the gun expert, the bomb expert, and the knife expert. I mean, come on. Yeah, I like sharp, pointy objects. I think you might be the most unhinged of all of them. <laughs> and Possibly. And as uh, Jeff says in uh, uh, chat room at live.vognetwork.com, he says, just throw all the money at Keiichi Sonoda. And that's what we're going to do. And Dark Tetsuya says, is it me or is my mic a little quiet? Yeah, when I was flipping the audio controls earlier, I turned down the wrong control for my microphone. Whoops. I, I'm kind of excited about this. I, I, I kind of can't wait. And as soon as they make that announcement, I'm going to be just like with the Bubblegum Crisis one. One, please. Yep, February. That's right around tax time. Tax return time. Provided I It would make a wonderful birthday gift. <clears throat> hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Ahem. Huh? That's all I have to say is, ahem. You're, you're obvious as a Mets player trying to trying to win a baseball game. I try. Yeah, I I kind of noticed that. All right. See, if you don't know about our show by now, when it comes around to the holidays. We like the holidays, but at the same time, we hate the holidays. Yeah, pretty much. It's like, we just want to work, go home, buy shit for us, buy shit for other people, and go on away. Which reminds me, I gotta go bag up some more shit to send out to people. So, while I'm handling the shit, Ari, why don't you tell us about these really fucked up Santa Clauses? Okay. <clears throat> Let's see, the holiday season is upon us, although the department stores start blaring Christmas music over the intercom well before Thanksgiving. <clears throat> August. Whether you're already over the festivities, or will be up in, on Christmas morning with bells on, the season is on the, the way. The holidays is a shade different in Japan, where fried chicken is as linked with Christmas as Santa Claus, who still acts as the mascot of Christmas, if you will. <laughs> Characters sometimes encounter the gift-giving elf in the staple holiday episode, but he isn't always so jolly. In fact, sometimes Santa is downright terrifying. This week, the list is counting down anime strangest Santas, the ones you make sure keep a fire in your chimney, even the hopes they skip over your house. Uh, let's see, serial killer from Vatican Miracle Examiner. This Santa is mentioned only once in episode 5, when the two examiners share tea with a man named Hiraga, who tells them the story of John. An average kid until he found out his dear old dad was actually a demon, 
and now he has a bunch of free wishes to make his life turn out however he wants. The serial killer dressed as Santa was roaming the area, but he passed over John's window and murder him because he accidentally wished for it, killing his neighbors instead. And the incident is never mentioned again. Uh, Sumo Claws from Persona 4 The Golden Animation. Filler episode starts each, each of the girls thinking she's asked out on a date with you. Why you? Not the, like, not the uh, mm -hmm. second person. When really they got a group invitation to a party. Most of the girls are getting ready, but she starts off by popping the only Christmas movie she owns. A weird martial arts film where Santa, also known as Thundercross, promotes... Promises to paint the snow red with the blood of his enemies. I like the Santa. Mm. Uh, I had to the comment Butler Santa. <clears throat> if Santa's all about charity and goodwill toward men in most stories, Hayate definitely got the short end of the Santa stick. Instead of meeting a good-natured Santa Claus as a child, he had the unfortunate luck of encountering Nagi's grandfather Mikado Sanzinen while he was masquerading as Santa. He tells young Hayate that he won't give him any presents because his family is poor, and the only thing he can do to earn presents is to work hard because those who don't work don't work hard don't deserve to eat. Fuck. Mm. Santa Claus preaching the prosperity gospel? What the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, Santa battle. Kyoren Kazuko Niki. Santa's had a rough year. After falling out with Mrs. Claus, the overpowered elder goes into a rage, tearing off his red suit and attacking Kyoko with energy balls he shoots from his hand. What? He was egged into ruining Christmas by his granddaughter, Chloe, but the two reconcile after Kyoko manages to beat him into submission. Uh, uh, so, Santa is a street fighter now? What? <clears throat> uh, Santa and Ben the reindeer from Gintama. Can, can you... Gintama... Can you imagine Santa just swinging that bag full of toys as a super <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Gintama is hand down the winner in the weird Santa category with three entries on this list. Well, the next three. This Santa and his off-putting humanoid reindeer named Ben are on the outs <clears throat> after their side gets busted. Both are exceptionally irritable and get into a skirmish with Gintoki, but they eventually agree to Gintoki's offer to improve improve the public's opinion on them. This fails spectacularly as Santa and Ben spend much of the episode getting into fights with anyone and everyone, including Kagura. And she maybe kills them both at the end. Then there's Umibozu Santa. Kagura's dad decides to take a break from alien hunting to surprise his daughter as Santa Claus after she writes him a letter questioning why she never gets any presents. See, also, um, I have to combat butler Santa. <laughs> <laughs> However, things go from heartwarming to ridiculous when more members of the cast decide to also dress up as Santa and think their disguised counterparts are the real deal. This also terrifies Kakura, who still believes in Santa is being real, but doesn't understand why there are multiple Saint Nicks around. This leads to an all-out multi-episode competition to prove which Santa is real, but everyone gets bored of the contest halfway through. What the fuck even is Gintama? Gintama? I hear it's, it's a really cracked out anime. I have been told I need to sit down and watch it. And Demon Santas, because of course. The only thing worse than a bunch of half-assed Santas is celebrating Christmas in Hell, where the, where the, Christmas, music, where the Christmas music starts in March. <laughs> Gitomaru takes the crew to Hell and to do some last-minute Christmas shopping, but they find themselves in the midst of a Santa festival going wrong. This Satan festival is full of demons shopping for skull headdresses, 
pandemonium, snacks, and terrified days. <clears throat> Things get worse when the demon refuses to sell Kentucky anything from a stall, and the rest of the patrons notice there are humans among them. They converge in the unsuspecting shoppers, and one, including one evil Santa wielding an axe, but they quickly get made an example of by Gendomaru. Wow. Kind of makes the bad Santa from the titular bad Santa movie kind of tame in comparison, don't won't they? Mm-hmm. And all these other Santas, I'm thinking of the uh, one Christmas episode of Futurama where, like, everyone coming, everyone's, you know, coming in, introducing himself, and then Zoidberg comes in and goes, And I'm his friend, Jesus! Well, it's not as bad as Robo Claws from Futurama. Oh yeah, that, that's the uh, violent, the one that Bender ends up uh, riding with. Yeah. And he gets executed by being strapped to a giant electromagnet. Mm-hmm. So what do we got next? Mako-chan is going to tell us about Hatsune Miku and Precure. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Vocaloid Hatsune Miku is going to be teaming up with the girls of Precure for crossover merchandise to celebrate both franchises' anniversaries. Um, so what it is, is that all of these goods, the uh, characters are going to be switching outfits. Uh, this includes buttons, keychains, wall scrolls, blankets, cloths, uh, even printed shrimp crackers, uh, plushies, basically anything weird that you can think of, uh, it will be on. It will be found at the specialty store and Sapporo starting on December 23rd, lasting until December 27th, and, uh... Yeah. So it's to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Vocaloids. And I'm guessing the 10th anniversary of Precure as well. That they didn't say. Yeah. Huh. I feel old now. We... Uh, Ari. Yeah. Despite all of the stuff that we've talked about this year on the show, mm -hmm. stuff going back to 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we're talking about anniversaries and celebrations and stuff, now you're feeling old? Um, I've, I've actually been feeling old like all this time, but I just didn't feel like vocalizing it. Dude, you don't have any gray hairs. Not anymore. I might have to go that scene without my own beard, so. Anywho! Pluck them out of my beard myself. Ugh, I got too many to pluck. I just blame stress. Mm hmm. No, we're just getting too old for this shit. Yeah, don't say. Because <laughs> you gotta remember something. You're never too old for this shit. 
You're only as old as you feel, Mm. and I'm feeling pretty damn fucking old. (laughs) Okay. Let's move along. And I think when Mako talks about this next article, we will, I think we will start definitely feel older about this. Oh, I'm tar- talking about another article? Uh, oh, no, Ari's talking Ari, about this okay. article. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Sorry. Nine famous anime voice actors turned 50 this year, including one of the voices of Sailor Moon. <clears throat> Let's see, anime is a youth-oriented medium, something that's really readily apparent readily apparent when, a, when the vast majority of series star child or teen protagonists. But when their fictional stats means the heroes and heroines of anime stay eternally young, their vo- human voice actors do, of course, grow older. Highlighting the fact that there's a recent tweet from Japanese Twitter user at AnimeVeryHope10, which lists a number of famous performers, including talent involved in some of the biggest anime hits ever, who have turned 50 this year or well before the start of 2018. Uh, let's see, we got Kotono Mitsuishi from Sailor Moon, who... who who was Sailor Moon, as well as Misato from Evangelion. Yep. Megumi Hayashibara, who was Rei from Evangelion, and Rama Rama from Rama One Half. And she was also... also Lena Inverse from Slayers. Yep. That's somebody I would love to meet. Takehito Koyasu, who is a Hotohorian Fushigi Yuga, Kiryu Toga and uh, Utina, and Ryosuke Takahashi from Initial D. Mm. Akira Ishida, Ishida, who was Kaoru from Evangelion, Zelos from Slayers, and Atun Zala from Gundam Gundam Seed. Zig Zion! Zig Zion! Oh, wrong series, never mind. Yeah. Kazuya Nakai, who was Zoro from One Piece. Akiko Yajima, Shinosuke Nohara from Crayon Shinchan, Toshiyuki Murakawa from who was Griffin from Berserk, <clears throat> Yuji Ueda who was Amiboshi Tsuboshi from Fushigi Yugi, Sagara Sanosuke from Kenshin, and Kitaro Urashima from Love Hina, and Mitsuo Iwata who was Kaneda from Akira. Itsuki Takeuchi from Initial D and Gintaro Oe from Golden Boy. And that was educational. <laughs> uh, let's see. The other less prominent performers on the list are Yoshiko Kamei, Konami, Konami Yoshida, Takehara Onishi, Nobuyuki Hiyami, Sayoshi Koyama, Mikako Aki, Akiawa, Fujiko Takimoto, Takimatsuno, Kazunari Tanaka, Maya Oko. Okamoto, Nozomo Sasaki, and Akiko Hiramatsu. <clears throat> and it's the, the reason he put it together was to highlight how much outstanding vocal talent was born in 1967. And what's even more amazing that a handful of individuals are still wo- voicing those characters, particularly <clears throat> Mitushi as Sailor Moon, Hayashibara as Rei, Nakai as Zoro, and Yajima as Shinchan. Each is now several decades older than their ongoing characters, but fans can't imagine the voice coming out of anyone else's mouths. 
So who knows? I'll still be doing Owner 60 as well. Mm. You, know, you know what kind of surprised me? The one name I, I kind of was hoping to see up there that wasn't on the list. Who? Kappa Yamaguchi. Hmm. Uh, what's she voice? Boy type Ranma. Oh, right. And he was, um, he's also Usopp in One Piece. But mm-hmm. he's also known as Artemis from Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon. <laughs> Getting real tired of your shit, Minako. Essentially, yeah. And it's a funny thing. I was talking to a friend of mine. She actually wants to sit down and watch the series. I'm like, we can hang out and do it. But she's like, I don't have time to do the work. I'm like, I get that. And I said, I know exactly what's going to happen if you come over to watch it. You're going to be bringing a cosplay with you every single time. And after we watch three episodes, we're going to go in the backyard and take photos. <laughs> hey, girl's got gumption. What can I say? Ah, oh, this is interesting. He was also one. He was also a voice on uh, Samurai Pizza Cats. Kiado uh, Nindentiande. That's pretty cool. And he voiced um, Yataro. And I'm looking at the list of characters. Yeah, he's um, the, the main cat from the show. The one that's, that was translated as Speedy Cervici. I, 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 now I'm looking at this, I kind of want to get the series on DVD because now there's two variants you can get the original dub and the standalone sub Japanese subtitles. But hope I do hope Cappy makes another appearance in the States because I would love to meet him again. Dressed as I was dressed as Ronald, but still, I would love another opportunity to meet him. I mean, Fuck, when I met him, the dude had cornrows. I'm like, can't hate. Simply can't hate, you know? <laughs> All right. Now, this next topic, let's spend a little bit of time on this. Because this next topic is something that we that always comes into play when we're talking about the conventions that we go to and the conventions that we review and the conventions that we cover. We don't really hit these all 14 of these points. Whether we do or not, we always talk, we try to cover the plus and the minus side. There are some conventions that, that pretty much have hit all 14 of these points that we have covered, and we're like, we don't care if they ban us from the con. You just shouldn't go. <laughs> but I understand why people go to shitty cons in the first place because their friends are going. And you know what? That is a number one reason to go to a con in general because if the con is going to be pure shit, at least you have friends to make it bearable. So, in this, thanks to the people over at popculturehq.com, they put together a list of 14 signs of a potential convention failure. And this can go across the gamut regardless of the type of con it is. Number one, if the organizer won't put anything in writing and always wants to talk over the phone or Skype. I get it. You want to talk about it to the person directly. Now, unless you're me, where when it comes to talking about business and stuff, 
I will fire up audition and I will record the conversation. The other person will know. That way I have it on record. But also, you gotta write shit down. Because what if you promise somebody something, you didn't write it down, then what? Don't forget, in some states, a verbal contract is just as valid as a written one. See Florida. So always remember, if you are staffing the con, a guest of the con, or something like that, and you're in touch with the organizer, do whatever the hell you got to do to get that shit in writing, recording, or whatever. Get it done. Alright, what's the next one? Um, if the organizer won't put their name or a company name directly affiliated with them on anything, like their like their name and logo could change on a heart, like on a whim, you know, to mm -hmm. like try and cover up their paper trail or or like say, oh wow, this is actually going to be a really shaky convention. Better distance myself from it as far as possible. That's the same thing with business cards. I mean, for a while, I had two sets of business cards. Regular business cards to hand out to cosplayers and con or you know. If I'm making a networking connection or something like that, I hand them a different card with my name and phone number. That way they can reach me, you know? If, there's no pay, if, if they don't put their name on it, it makes it hard for you to track them down for liability. Mm-hmm. Let me go to our chat room real quick at live.lognetwork.com. Wild Spice also mentions that Kappa Yamaguchi voiced Inuyasha and Ryuchi in Gravitation. Uh, we don't mention Inuyasha because fuck Inuyasha. Anywho. I like Inuyasha. Shut the fuck up. Of course you do. Kagome. Nope. <laughs> I know. I tease. Yes, you tease with the wrong character. Yeah, I know. Anyway... Number three, if the organizer has never been involved in a convention before, how many times has that happened, ball pit? Raise your hand if you've been in, if you've been around or involved in something like this. My hand's up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh. Um. Fuck it. Spring Fest. Maybe sometimes Katori Con. And definitely Derby Con. Uh, yeah, well, no. The problem with the some of those, names. no, the problem with some of those is they were at least involved in other conventions uh, staffing. Yeah, but I uh, just don't think any of them have any, or I should say, had any real knowledge of what it takes to head conventions, which is very, very different than just staffing conventions, yep. even as, you know, a head staffer. I honestly, yeah, and also there was Tendoku Con, the convention that some rich kid, rich kid's parents threw together. Um, so, look, the best way to get convention experience is to staff it. Personally, unless you are, like, senior management near, like, the board or something like that, don't go running your own convention. You still ain't ready. Still no, I, I... I head video for convention for five, six some odd years. That does not give me anywhere near 
the experience I would need to actually fully head a convention. And as Wild Spice mentions, it's another con, Inochi-Con, that did the same thing. There are reasons you have never heard of these cons, and if you have, you never heard from them since. Yeah, I said one or two years before going under. Mm, you mean right after that that initial convention, it went under. Number four. <laughs> if the organizer knows nothing about local tax licensing regulations, money, 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 money. If you... Yeah, if if the person running the convention can't tell the vendors about local taxes, there are some issues. Exactly. The main thing is, if they're not telling you to have your tax papers or whatever, I have not heard of this happening, but you never know. The Department of State and Finance or whatever the convention is, they may send a representative to that convention to walk around and ask to see your your, uh, your tax forms or something like that. So, be careful. Alright. Right. Um... Is the organizer new to the area? They're not familiar with the area. Why did they decide it would be a good spot for a convention? What did they know about the local fan base or the local spending habits? Just because you, this is the perfect space for it, that does not mean the people will come. You might get a lot of tourists. You might get a lot of business people. But it might not be the type of people that want to spend money and be there. Yeah. For, for all you know, your then you could be haunted by people looking at all these costume freaks. Like, what the hell? Yes, and also understand if this is a great spot for a show or a convention, can people easily access it? And I know what you're thinking, Ronma. You live in New York City; you can access anything. That's not necessarily true. No, there are just lot, oh my god. Yeah, there are. Lots of locations that are prime for conventions and events. I look at, I'll tell you this. If all you have to do is take less than two buses or one train to the location, you're good. If you have to combine the two to get to the location, it may not even be worth the, 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 the schlep out there. Yeah. Borocon. Mm-hmm. The... Burrowcon is a straight line, only about 10 to 15 miles away from where Ranma is. Yep. It took us every day trying to get there because of traffic and the roads that you have to take almost an hour and a half. And if you're thinking, and I'll tell you what, and if let's say we decided to take the train, same amount of time, if not later. You gotta take a train all the way up to Queens and catch a local bus all the way up. No. Another case in point, International Sailor Moon Day. Not the post-party venue. After that, take the L train to this odd stop and walk three, four blocks in this odd direction to this venue. Granted, it's a popular venue for some people, but I don't think people were asking where it was. I'm just like, good Lord Almighty. Moving on. Uh, moving on, if you see numerous errors in the vendor and or guest contract, uh, you know, if sometimes you see an E before an I, that's one thing, but if 
it's nothing but grammatical spelling typos things like that in the entire contract uh stay very well clear of that it looks because... like the it looks like the instructions out of a bootleg uh, video game system from hong kong yeah, I mean, we've gotten to a point where if you're going to type crap like that onto a computer, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it unless it's proper names and nouns and places and things like that, uh, for the most part, you know, the shit's on point for stuff that should be completely and clearly written out. Uh, so if there are a shit ton of mistakes in it, uh, be very, very wary. If there are no contracts for guests or vendors, again, this goes back to what we discussed earlier about not putting anything in writing. If you're not signing paperwork to vend, or if you're going to be a guest and you don't sign paperwork on make on your appearance fees and stuff, you may be fucked. And again, not every state uh, enforces uh, verbal agreements as written contracts. So, be wary. If there are no contracts for guests or vendors. We just did that one. You're on number eight. Oh, shit, my bad. No problem. If the convention advertises a special guest before the contracts are signed. Oh, that's happened plenty of times. Especially, like, someone's even on the fence about going. Like, uh, maybe. Like, like, we got this person. And they're like, wait, what? I forget the con. It was out on the West Coast. They were kind of mocking cosplayers or this or that. And they advertised Amy Jo Johnson as a special guest. She didn't even know, let alone get a contract. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of conventions, and I use that term loosely, that are just looking to gain a lot of money without having to put a lot into it, um, will start announcing very popular guests um, to get people to buy tickets and then say, oh, well, they canceled and not refund that ticket money. It's very different when it's a very large convention and, you know, the actors or actresses or, you know, anybody that happens to be going Mm -hmm. ends up sick or Mm -hmm. they have work conflicts. You know, that that's typical, especially in a lot of the sci fi conventions or those that are using actors that are in, you know, upcoming popular TV series or things like that. But for a no-name convention to suddenly say, oh, hey, you know, we have so-and-so, and, you know, it, it's still a year until the convention, just to try and get you hyped up, uh, mm-hmm. bullshit. Number nine, the organizer insists on using their contract only for guests and won't budge. Uh, Some guests do have their own contracts, their own stipulations about appearances, fees, obligations. 
Um, if an organizer is basically saying it's my way or the highway, take the highway. You do not want to get involved with somebody that will not budge on anything other than their own contract. Most conventions will write and rewrite contracts up until the guest signs them. And that can be, you know, three rewrites, four rewrites, some of them much more than that. Just to get everybody happy with, one, the wording of the contract itself, and two, what the guest is entitled to while going to the convention. Number 10, if the vendor tables cost as much as the big conventions. Oh, boy. I have, I have vended at conventions for about two years. I can tell you, small conventions like Zenkai, and by small, I'm talking un, under 5,000. At the time, cons like Zenkai, Anime Next, a vendor's table could run you anywhere from 175 to 250, probably even 350. Uh, you will get something like a 10 by 20 spot. Cool. Conventions like Otakon. You're probably looking at about $1,000 for a 10 by 20 spot. Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're looking at Comic Con. That's $2,500. And you're probably going to get a 10 by 10. A card table. Yeah. You'll get a, <laughs> actually, you'll get a 20 by 20 spot, but no chairs. Or you have to pay extra for chairs. Let me tell you something. If this small rinky-dink convention is making money hand over fist with the people coming in, I can see why they're charging hard numbers. But if they're charging high numbers and all you get is a card table, a lawn chair, and there's maybe the total number and the attendees for that day is about 40 people, <laughs> I'd be demanding a fucking refund or some type of substantial credit coming back to me. Cough, cough, Barocon. Uh, and for the record, a lot there are cons that are on other properties like colleges and so forth. So the prices shouldn't be that high because the colleges will cover that. To register participation for this week's episode of Anime Jam Session on vognetwork.com, use the passphrase handball. Speaking of Borokon, Ari, talk about number 11. If a new convention is talking about patrons in the thousands. Cough, cough, Borokon. <laughs> Jeez, you two really like kicking this one when it's down, huh? Uh, Ranma is forcing me to finally upload my convention report for this con i haven't wanted to because there's just so few positives <laughs> yeah. um i actually feel really really bad putting this out with as much negative as it is what's in there did you did you, you should put that in your review about how you i'm I, i'm actually going to put that as a warning yes. at the beginning of it yes please do with a picture of a you know, can of Morton salt over, like tipped over, and, and sodium just pouring out. No, 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 no. It's got to be a picture of Makoto Kino with her, just, just, just holding her head in her hand, and you just see like, the, like the, the the chai tea just sitting there. 
<laughs> Actually, I, I posted a GIF on Twitter, or I should say I shared a GIF on Twitter um, from the live-action Sailor Moon mm-hmm. TV show mm-hmm. of Makoto punching out Tuxedo Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to use that, and then when... Uh, tuxedo uh common actually turns around and you see his face i just put a picture of the Barocon logo <laughs> by all means yeah i'm not getting into that <laughs> i'm not going that in depth over this okay but yeah you know if the convention was promising a number that will be 50 percent of the surrounding area then they better have a damn good draw and fantastic advertisement even come close to those numbers. And if there's a bigger event within a hundred mile radius of the same weekend, you can bet more of the population will be interested, will be there instead of yours. Now, let me tell you something. When I first started going to conventions back in the olden days, um, back when we use uh, wagons to get around the cons, um, cons 15 miles up way each... Yep. 15 miles in the in the snow uphill each way, huh? You have to get to that Walmart to get that last bag of that last package of ramen. It was worth it, goddammit. But uh... what about anime next? <laughs> <laughs> but um, there was a time where con, con the Congo con chairs they would work with other cons to space out their shows to maximize attendees that way you had a choice now the, the convention circuit is just flooded and i'm expecting the bottom to fall out any 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 week now it's like you know what fuck you my convention is this week fuck you my con is this week some con heads will work with others but it's gotten to the point where you could probably pick any weekend and look it up there was at least four conventions going on that weekend. It's okay if it's in different parts of the country, but when all four of these cons are within your reach in a three-hour driving in any particular direction, then we got an issue, you know? I I mean, fuck. When we went to a pop cult, there was like, we passed by a, a sci-fi con on the way up. There was Liberty City going on in New York City and another convention going on. And as from what I was told, I mean, hell, we just had something like that, like Anime NYC. Uh, that same weekend was DerbyCon in Jersey, you know. And there was another con, New Jersey Comic and Media Expo going on in another part of Jersey. And from, my yeah. understanding, and I, from what I was told, the con chairs and con runners of Anime NYC and Derpy Con are buddy-buddy, so they're going to make sure this doesn't happen next year. And I call bullshit. Money talks and bullshit walks. Anywho. The thing is, is there are so many conventions now, Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to find a weekend which doesn't have a local convention happening. And it just boils down to, if you have like a themed or gimmick con, that works out better because same weekend, two cons. One's an all all anime, one's an all comic. You do have a choice of which one you want to go to. Or you could do both. One on one day, one on another day. But if they're both essentially an anime convention, it's like, well, fuck. That's when you decide on 
the one that the majority of your friends are going to. Alright, um, whose turn is it? Number 12. Okay. If the only sign of advertising you see is via social media or other attendees, uh, it's probably not going to do very well. Uh-huh. And by that, they mean that as a convention, you need to get tables at other conventions and pimp out your convention. I see it all. The, we see it all the time in the uh, dealers' room. You know, mm-hmm. you know, people handing out little flyers for their upcoming conventions. Yeah, and even in the con books, you'll see advertisers for upcoming conventions as well. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on how you're gonna be doing it. Um, I'm trying to think. I know that. You know, going back to BorrowCon, mm-hmm. um, it was very much a social media word of mouth kind of thing. Um, and then I remember that weekend driving back on Sunday when we went to go get food for uh, that night. I remember seeing a BorrowCon advertisement on one of the bus stops. Yeah, I remember that, yep. Which was weird because, again, it wasn't even in the area that the convention was in. It was, you know, it was by your place and not anywhere near where the convention was. The people in the area there had no idea what the hell was going on. Which I get. Now, for BoroughCon, they're representing the five boroughs. So it's like they're trying to promote the con as it doesn't matter what borough you're in, you can easily get to it. That doesn't always work. No. Isn't the uh, doesn't the MTA want to stop running the subways at mid like during the nights? No, they'll do that. We 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 that that will, that shit will not happen. Let me tell you something. If they announce the shutdown of the uh, of the of the subway systems from uh, from twenty four hours to twelve hours, oh, motherfuckers will be rioting. That's all. There's no know. way it would happen. Mm-mm. Yeah, there's you. You can't do that, especially for something like Broadway, where these people need to get onto the subways to get onto the trains leaving New York. Mm-hmm. It would especially never with happen. a city as big as New York City. See, okay, just so you know, we're not talking uh, Metro North, Long Island Railroad, NJ Transit. We're not talking commuter rail. We're talking regular subway here. Anywho, if the organizer doesn't fulfill promises on a regular basis, if they're answering your questions with a question, if they're saying, we'll get back to you on that, we haven't figured that out yet, this or that, if you're not getting answers or they're not coming through what you need and all of that, then you know shit's not right. Get out while you can. And number 14, if your contact person has changed several times. Mm-hmm. And nobody, and everyone has their, has their heads up one another's asses and don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, unfortunately that happens even to established conventions. Um, I know for... Uh, I can't even remember the name of the convention now. 
Um, but one of the local conventions to us had the artist alley head change like three times between when the artist alley uh, stuff went up and when the artist alley stuff was supposed to be announced. Like who was going to be in artist alley. It changed three hands at that point, and by the end of it, nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Of course, sometimes it can just be the the person running it gets sick or has to uh, step away for some reason. That's a little yeah. more forgivable. That's forgivable, but when you know when it changes hands three times, and by the end of it, nobody knows what the hell is going on because of that. That's the problem. Yeah, and again, that happens in, you know, conventions that have been out there for years. Unfortunately, that's not necessarily the convention's fault, but they just pick crappy people. Mm. Unfortunately, that's the way business works. In a way, I'm kind of thankful the couple of the cons that I have staffed, I kind of handpicked some of the people to work that con. Because they have prior experience working at the conventions. And I know this is something that they can do. I may not be a part of that con. But I'm proud they're able to kind of keep pushing it before the con collapses in on their head. Well, I had one convention that I was heading video. Um, I couldn't be there at the convention itself because I was moving soon. Mm-hmm. So I was unable to actually go. So I did everything lead up to the convention itself. Um, Had three staffers working the weekend uh, because the convention had been uh, made smaller due to uh, the convention itself moving. Um, Did not know until the end of the weekend because nobody had called me to let me know that two of the three staffers no-showed the entire weekend, and the other staffer did not tell anybody um, so that I could get him help. (laughs) Which, when I found out, I was so upset because, you know, I could have gotten him help. We've told you from our own experiences from staffing to hanging out to reviewing signs to what to look out for. And if you kind of missed the signs, it's okay. Chalk it up as a learning experience. And now that we have that out of the way, that we ran kind of late, which is kind of understandable because when it comes to certain topics on this show, We are passionate as fuck. And if you're just realizing that, hi, and welcome to the show. So, So, we're going to do strange news from Japan. Hmm. I think I kind of want to do the first one. I figured you would. I was trying to find not necessarily things that would break everybody this weekend, uh, this, this week. What? I don't want to break you guys every time we do strange news. Alright, so here's the thing. There was a recent music event 
called the Mnet Asian Music Awards held in South Korea. You had AKB48 teaming up with five Korean idol groups, and it was kind of bad. Now, when you hear from what we've talked about on the show, when you hear kind of bad, you expect it to be Momoko Z live with Kiss, Foreigner, and three other uh, K-pop groups, and just a giant clusterfuck, and you're throwing rolls of paper onto the arena demanding your money back. So... (laughs) So... I'm not going to play the audio due to time constraints, but... J-pop and K-pop have two different styles, so it's kind of hard to mish and mesh. J-pop is more bubblegum, poppy-type music. K-pop is more of your harder pop, hip-hop style. If you can remember the, some of the music that Britney Spears did when she started out, or Christina Yeah, Aguilera, AKB48 would be Britney when she first came out, and the K-pop would be Britney like, when she's wearing the snake around her neck. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Well, probably. Yeah. So you got like light pop versus hard pop, okay? The stuff you see K-pop dancers do and perform, it's like you're almost like it's almost like watching a hip hop video per se, but it's still more pop music. So, and it was flashy and stylish, but it wasn't as It's like I said, AKB48 is a it's a cute girl next door image, and Korean K-pop groups it's more like the mature section is just like, I guess the hot chick that you will that, that that's next door and you're just like oh hey, I guess I guess is the best way to put it. If you don't believe me, YouTube K-pop videos and J-pop videos there is a definite difference. Well, I I think J-pop. Um, they're trying to keep the girls looking innocent and cute. Um, so you get a lot of the younger teenage look. Whereas with K-pop, you get a lot of the older teenage look. They're trying to not push out an adult sex appeal. But, you know, that senior cheerleader kind of thing. Yes. The performance happened, and some Korean, South Korean fans noticed the difference. And these are some of the answers that we had heard. South Korean idols are prettier and have better dance moves. I finally said why Korean groups are so popular overseas. Now South Korean idols have to pick up the slack in the performance. It doesn't seem like there's any decent Japanese idols out there. AKB48's costumes may look like they're going to a kid's party. Those are AKB48 songs, yet why is choreography better on the Korean side? Those members were hardly dancing at all. Yeah. So it it was rough. I'm probably going to watch this later and be like, my god. And the problem is, you would think that, you know, that would just be the Koreans saying, oh no, K-pop is, you know, better than J-pop. Except that the Japanese had just as harsh criticisms. Mm -hmm. What's good for the gander is good for the goose. 
Yeah, not always. And from Japan, but even the Japanese fans were kind of rough. You heard, there's no comparison at all. AK Beefway's level is just way too low. We lost again. There's no way we could beat Big Brother Korea. They're good at handshaking events. Let's not talk about music and dance. It's common knowledge that they're garbage. Some people just love to defend AKB Oi amateur choreography and terrible singing. It's really disgusting. Well, I can kind of see that. Look how big the fucking group is. Mm hmm. They're constantly bringing in new members. Yeah, and they're doing performances like three times a week um, at their old theater. So, yeah. Moving on. Who's taking the next one? It doesn't matter. Um, sure, I'll take this second one. <clears throat> Overambitious diner set restaurant ablaze trying to grill all you can eat yaki niku. The incident happened around 9:30 p.m. on November 27th at a yaki niku barbecue restaurant in Nagoya, Aichi Prefecture. According to police, the fire started when the flames leaping out from the large amount of meat rolling out of customers' table spread to the oil-covered air vent above. Huh? If you're unfamiliar with how Yakiniku-type restaurants work, often there is a grill at the center of each table, and customers can order meats and other sides that are choosing and grilled up themselves. I still want to do this sometime. This particular restaurant had an all-you-can-eat option as well, which is what the customers had ordered before things took a turn for the worse. We were grilling a large amount of meat when the flames went up and the air duct caught on fire. We tried grilling a bunch at once so we could finish it all within the all-you-can-eat time Lord. limit. Fucking priorities, man. Fat drinks from even a small amount of meat can cause a fair amount of flames. So imagine that a large pile would elicit a rather sizable fire. Coupled with a grease-covered air duct just above the grill and you got a recipe for disaster. The fire raged for two, four hours before it was fully extinguished, but not before it burnt through the whole two-story establishment and part of the real estate office in the connecting building. While there were several customers and employees in the restaurant when the fire started, no one was injured. 31-year-old Kazuaki Sawada, a, <clears throat> a diner at the restaurant who witnessed the fire, told reporters there was a number of businessmen-looking customers sitting at a table, and the flames went straight up and it caught fire. We just <laughs> couldn't put it out, and they got bigger and bigger. While they didn't purposely set the restaurant on fire in a hangry rage, they tried to take advantage of an all-you-can-eat deal and in the end set an establishment up in smoke. <laughs> I'm still stuck on how the air vent got covered in grease. Well, I mean, the air vents, you're cooking out in the open, so the air vent, it's probably um, an exhaust air vent. So it's pulling all that grease to it, and if you don't think to actually clean it out, it's going to be packed full of grease. And just a fire waiting to happen. Fire in the disco, fire in the taco bell. That's a great story, though. Like, like had you in Japan, oh, he set this restaurant on fire trying to cook. Come again? <laughs> like, oh, what'd you do for dinner? Set a restaurant on fire. <laughs> that, you know, it was kind of scary. This is happening. Fire department shows up. Picture Ari and Mako-chan just standing there with these long sticks <laughs> with feet on it. And they're just flipping it in the fire like it's a Tuesday afternoon. 
fucking s'mores, man. You got to. <laughs> Just oh imagine the looks on her God. face when the thing goes up, like, ooh, wow, that's actually, like, ooh, wow, this actually smells pretty good. <laughs> And I'm just like, I just look up and like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, I got like one hand reach out, like trying to cook the meat while someone else is pulling me away. Come on, you gotta go. You, you're gonna, you're gonna suffocate from the smoke. No. <laughs> it's not medium rare yet. <laughs> like what? Yep. It's still not toasted. <laughs> I'll be like, oh man, everything's cooked well done now. <laughs> God, what the fuck did I just say about priorities? <laughs> Speaking of cooked meats, uh, Japan has a Wagyu beef bento box that costs about $3,000 for a bento box. Um, so, uh, obviously you know that Japan has some pretty kick-ass beef. So, this one is made with the highest quality beef in all of Japan. There are absolutely no vegetable side dishes. Every compartment is stuffed with beef sitting atop a ration of Tatori-grown Kinu Musume rice. So the ultimate meat lover's bento will set you back $2,615. worth of tax. Um, and it's basically estimated to be an entire month's worth of ordinarily priced bento lunches. Shit, I'm hungry now. But you get 8.8 pounds of the best beef out there. Mm. Uh, the box is made out of actual wood instead of plastic. Um... So if the beef juices haven't uh, seeped in too damn much, you can use it again. Um, so there are compartments for dipping sauces that are flavored with uh, tutori-grown pears and wasabi raised in the prefecture. Uh, the exact cuts of meat are basically... Um, the, the, the bento itself is cut out in a cow shape. So each portion of the steak is put into a particular portion of the cut-into-cow. And that's actually where that particular piece of beef is found on the cow. Whoa. So prime rib, tenderloin, sirloin tip, briskets, and check tender. Um, and then there is also tongue and temple and things like that. Uh, so, um, I haven't checked out the online ordering. It is, uh, available online to order. I somehow doubt they're shipping it anywhere other than Japan. Um, but they're accepting orders between now and March 31st, and fulfilling orders will take two weeks. But, yeah... That is $3,000 of some of the best meat you would ever find. 
and for almost nine pounds of beef, you might want to go in with somebody. At least one other person. Split it. Four pounds each, that's not bad. Four and a half pounds each, that's not bad. Or unless you're me. I don't even... I, I don't even think the two of you each taking one would be able to finish it in a time manner that would not have the beef not at peak you know, eating possibility. Are you imagining Rama and I like fencing chopsticks over getting the last piece? Well, Rama said he can eat one by himself. So I'm trying to imagine the two of you Basically, each trying to eat nine pounds of beef. In one sitting. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, we're going to try and race each other. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I, I would be happy with, you know, just a couple of pieces off of this thing. Uh... As I said, it is some of the highest rated quality beef in Japan. And Japan is known for some of the highest quality beef in the world. I'd just like to taste it. You and the rest of the cast just like sitting like sitting on the other side of the room with your arms folding your heads down like, Ugh, you know, with the, oh my, oh my God, I can't fucking believe this kind of attitude or while we just like, or it's like, you know, blurred silhouettes of our, like, our hands like flying all over the place with chopsticks in hands. Yeah, no, I, I'd be happy with just a piece or two. Because I know if I ate any more than that, I would be so sick. Hmm. But I want it. I want the tasty, tasty meat. <laughs> yeah. I think it's time to wrap shit up, so. Mm hmm. Alright, so, yeah. Adjust the volume. We're good. So, move this over here. And. We'll be back. Kiss me, 
got a good show tonight, but given how late we ran again, apologies, I want to get through this as quickly as possible, but some of us got work in the morning, so I kind of want to get that out So, if you like the show, tell a friend, banter, tell another friend, and so on and so forth. We're independent bloggers, independent podcasters, we do this for the fun of it, and for the love of it. So if you have any questions about the show, drop us a line at podcast at animejamsession.com. Again, that is podcast at animejamsession.com. We want to know what's up. We're here to believe you. Check out our website at animejamsession.com where we post our convention reviews, cosplay tutorials, editorials, and other cool stuff. So definitely swing by and check it out. And we also post our podcast there as well. Are you on a subscription service like Podcast Alley, Stitcher, iTunes, Miro, something like that? Our podcast is on there as well. Search it on those on on those uh, podcasting uh, syndication feeds, and you'll find us. Some of them have the option to give you to give reviews. If you can, throw throw us a five star review or two star review. What you feel about it, the good and the bad. We want to hear from you. And don't forget, we also post on the Vogue Network forum, so our podcast check it out there every week. Check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Anime Jam Session TV. We post all of our convention videos. There are panels, masquerades, interviews. Swing by and definitely check them out. Twitter, twitter.com slash Anime Jam Session. Uh, follow us there for updates on the show when we're going live, when episodes are going up, and other cool stuff in relation to our website and Facebook page. And speaking of Facebook, facebook.com slash Anime Jam Session. To everybody who's been following us on our social media pages, thank you so much for your love and support. We couldn't do it without you. And on a side note, if you haven't noticed, I've finally been updating my Instagram and Tumblr with cosplay photos from Congo Bronson. So, Instagram.com slash DJVonMess and DJVonMess.tumblr.com. Cool. But don't forget, we're not the only uh, geek show on the VOG Network. There are some other shows you gotta check out. There's the Star Wars Power Coupling Podcast, The Geek Card, Bobby Blackwood Show, Orange Knowledge Radio, Trickle Myth, Myth, British Invaders, Pod Culture, Electric Sisterhood, Girls Gone Wow, Ranger Pride, Game Bowie, and Hooked on Bomb. So we're gonna go around the room. Last words, Ari. I'm tired. I wanna go to bed because I hate getting up early in the morning. I feel you. Last words, Mako-chan. No. Uh, my last words is... I don't know. Uh, I think I have something to do here. I just don't remember, but I'll figure out whatever it is. That is it. End of list. We're getting out of here. Drunken Christmas Spectacular, December 19th, and we're going on vacation. We'll be back sometime in January. So, Ranma. I'm Ari. And I'm Mako-chan. Great fight. Great night. See you next week. And we're out this bitch. Night. Alright. Say goodnight, Mako-chan. Goodnight, Mako-chan. That's good. Alright. We're out of here. This podcast has been a production of Anime Jam Session and AJS Productions. No fanboys and fangirls were hurt, maimed, shot, electrocuted, or pistol-whipped in this episode. For now. The views, opinions, and thoughts expressions on the show do not reflect the staff or the network as a whole. But we're still right, damn it! For transcripts of this episode, start typing! Check us out at AnimeJamSession.com and VogNetwork.com for more information about us and other programming. Jamatane!